Lord, I thank you so very much um, that you love us, that you guide us, that you direct us. Lord, that whether we are able at a moment to hear your voice or not, that you are there. You are with us, leading us. God, I know that uh, for many of us, we can at times feel frustrated, anxious, in need of direction, confused, worried, stressed. Lord, we need like never before to be able to enter your rest. And so as we read this song, I ask that you would help us. Help us to get closer to you. Help us to learn more about you. Help us to enter your rest. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we are in the 23rd Psalm. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll be happy to hand one to you. We've got extras. Anyone need a Bible? Just wave. We'll, We'll walk one to you. We've got plenty of Bibles. So we're in the 23rd Psalm. And as we take a look at the 23rd Psalm, the, the main thought uh, that you see on the screen that we are working from is that when the Lord is my shepherd, I know rest. When the Lord is my shepherd, I know rest. This song that David writes is really a song of a satisfied customer. This is a song of somebody that has come to know rest and peace, uh, even in the midst of contradictory circumstances and difficulties and questions and doubt. But to make no mistake, this is a song of peace and rest. And finding peace and finding rest is not always easy. Anybody? Right? Not always an easy thing. And yet, God is not the author of confusion. God's not the author of fear. God's not the author of anxiety. God's not the author of stress. If you find yourself in a place of overriding confusion, fear, you can bank on the fact that that's not coming from God that it's not His will for you, and that He wants it to change. And that thought kind of settle in a little bit. We need to know whom we're following. God's not the author of fear. He's not the author of anxiety. He's not the author of confusion. Let's go to this song. I'll put it up on the screen for you as well. Go from the King James at first, since uh, many of you are familiar with that translation. And tonight our focus is the third verse, which I've got on the screen there. The third verse, which is, He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. That's our theme tonight. So from the King James, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now David, who writes this song, was a young shepherd boy at one time. He writes this song from the perspective of sheep that are being cared for by the diligent hand of the good shepherd. And he knew what that was like. He had first-hand knowledge of how a sheep would be in a different condition with a good shepherd and how a sheep would be in an entirely different condition with a bad shepherd. And it's interesting that David, who has grown from being a young boy to being the king and actually having been um, chased, betrayed uh, by Saul, who, who tried to kill him, and then made king, had a career as king, and then one of his sons, Absalom, has now betrayed him. And yet again, he's got somebody trying to kill him, and he's on the run. He's had to vacate the throne. He's had to leave the capital city. He's running for his life. And it is in those contradictory circumstances that he writes this 23rd Psalm. It is possible to have peace, to be aware of who you are following who is in control of your life and how he has cared for you to find peace in that reality, even in the midst of contradictory circumstances. So let's look at it from the New Living. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So let's focus on this third verse. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Now you might think, if God is my shepherd, why would I need my soul restored? That's a fair question, right? God's a creator of the universe and he's always good. Why would I need my soul restored, my soul strengthened? Uh, Surely David writes some depressing stuff too, right? I mean, just flip to the previous chapter. Even Jesus quoted this from the cross. Chapter 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for your help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. And and, and, in Psalm 22, he sings the blues. And singing the blues, he talks about the reality of how life is hard. 
And he talks about the conflict that he feels in the face of knowing that some people have trusted God and yet it is difficult for him to trust God when life is not easy. When he's been betrayed, when he is on his own. Verse 11, do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near and no one else can help me. Verse 14, my life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. Dun, 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 dun. He's singing the blues. Verse 23, praise the Lord, all you who fear Him. Honor Him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show Him reverence, all you descendants of Israel, for He has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. God does not ignore or belittle the suffering of the needy. He's not turned His back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. And I like how he finishes verse 31. He finishes this song of the blues. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Says David in Psalm 42, 11, Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself. Sometimes you've got to sing to yourself. Dun, 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 dun. And I said, Self, why are you cast down? You've got to get that little self. Am I right? You've got to feel the pain. The blues is actually one of my favorite styles of music. Because there's honesty. There's, there's some gut-wrenching passion. I mean, I like love songs too, but I like the blues. Because I want something real. I'm tired of the fake. God doesn't want us to gather for the fake. Now, David writes this song about the sheep and sheep that need to be restored. And he's talking about himself and his self that needs to be... It just sounds better. His self. His self that needs to be restored. And there's a little bit of sense of humor in this. If you know anything about sheep, cast down. Why are you cast down? Uh, When a sheep is cast, what it means is that a sheep can lay down and a lot of times they will look for a a soft spot with kind of like a a groove, a a little bit of a hole in the ground. And what can happen to a sheep, kind of like a, a turtle, is they can get rolled over and then just have their feet kicking and they're not able to get back up. It's true, it's what shepherds call a cast sheep. 
They get turned and they get whoop. And they, they can't get back up. They're you know, fighting to try to get back up and they can't. And it's kind of comical. Especially if in your mind's eye, like my mind's eye, I've got like the Wallace and Gromit kind of sheep. Some of you will get that. It's okay. The little claymation sheep with the big eyes, right? So that's what can happen to a sheep. And what's interesting about when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, or when he tells the story of the lost coin, and he tells the story of the lost sheep, what's interesting to me, when Jesus talks about lost people, he talks about lost people in different terms. Some where they are lost because they chose to be lost, and some that are lost due to no fault of their own. And so what can happen is that a sheep can get rolled over and can get upside down and it can't get back up. Now, this is dangerous for a number of reasons. One is that gas can kind of get built up in the wrong place on their insides, and their insides actually get kind of twisted when they're upside down, and so it's only that much more impossible for them to get back up. And if they are ever brought back up, it's a long process before they can see straight and walk straight again. They've been upside down so long. In fact, the way that this gas can get built up on their insides in the wrong places, it can actually kill them. So sheep are not designed to be upside down. God created them with purpose and with design. God created us with purpose and design. God did not create us to be upside down, helpless, unable to see straight, unable to walk, No, He created us to be able to walk and to follow Him. Are you with me? Now, another reason that it's very dangerous for a sheep to be caught upside down is that then it's susceptible to predators. Right? Think about your coyotes, foxes, wolves, anything that wants to come and, and have a good sheep lunch. If a sheep is stuck upside down, it can't go and follow the shepherd. It can't go with the flock. It can't run alongside the guy who's slower than him anymore. Right? They are defenseless. When we are disconnected from our good shepherd, we are spiritually defenseless. And what can happen is that whether it's due to your fault or whether it's due to circumstances or what other people have done or whatever, in whatever way that it has occurred, we can get turned upside down where we are no longer able to see straight or to walk straight. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? And so we can, just like the sheep, be in need of the shepherd to come and restore the sheep. Now, when a shepherd comes to restore a cast sheep, he doesn't kick it. It's not a Charlie Brown football time. He doesn't kick it. He doesn't hit it with a stick. He doesn't yell at it. 
If a shepherd is going to restore a cast sheep, he comes and he gently moves it very slowly because the gases and everything that's on the inside has to slowly come back to the place that it's supposed to be. He slowly turns it up so that it's now down on its belly and he takes time. And this is the way that God operates with us. God, the Holy Spirit, operates in a gentle and in a patient way. And so he'll turn the sheep over, and then what they'll do in most cases is they'll pick up the front legs and pull the sheep up so it's sitting on its rump, and pull the sheep up to himself like this, and gently start to rub the belly, and rub each leg, and get the blood flow going again, get the head so that the head is back upright, so it's got its equilibrium, he rubs it down, and shepherds will talk to the sheep to soothe the sheep. Have you ever been, a lot of us haven't been around sheep, but maybe you've been at the zoo with the goats. You ever seen the, a goat like feel like people are too close to it, just like thrashes and kicks and, right? You know, that's why it's, it's kind of a mysterious thing to let kids be by goats, but whatever, you know. So, but with soothing, rubbing down and speaking in a calm voice, the shepherd will slowly, gently, restore the sheep then set the sheep on its feet and see how it's moving the shepherd's not leaving until he knows the sheep can follow him now that's that's really important let me say that again the shepherd's not leaving until he knows the sheep can follow him when we are cast down There is one to whom we should call. The Good Shepherd. When the Good Shepherd comes to restore, He's gentle. He's patient. Now there are times where it's due to our own fault and there is discipline involved and that's in a later verse. But what we need to know is who we are following, right? Because how will you know if you're treating somebody else that you're leading into next steps on following Jesus like the Good Shepherd? Right? Because if we are the church and we are who we said we are, then we should be producing other followers. If we're not producing other followers, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be and we're not fruitful and our church will be done. That's what Jesus said. So if we are helping produce other followers, we're leading people into next step with Jesus, how do you know that you are leading them the way that the good shepherd leads them? Am I the only one wondering this question? Right? I'll tell you, if we are patient. And I'm talking supernatural patient. You know, my father said to me one day, a sign of maturity is patience with immaturity. That was really good. I'm going to say it again. A sign of, and he said it to me, which should tell you something, I wasn't there, right? I was, I'm sure, being impatient at the time. A sign of maturity is being patient with immaturity. 
Now, I, I literally at times have to have a conversation with myself. Why was I expecting that person to be mature? Because if my words are cutting and I'm focused on external behavior and I'm strong and I am impatient, then I am not like the good shepherd. Are you with me? We need to know who we're following and from there derive how we lead others to follow Him. Right? So he comes and he's gentle and he's patient. And this word picture that David is writing, trust me, it includes this action. Sheep have not evolved. All right? Now, I think that God said, let there be light, and that's why we get the Big Bang explanation of science. Right? But the second law of thermodynamics says that everything is declining. Sheep have not evolved. They were just as dumb back when David was a shepherd as they are today. So when David had a cast sheep and he had to slowly, gently restore it, and he wrote this, you are my shepherd, you renew my strength, you restore my soul. This is the picture that he's talking about. This is who our God is. Is this helping? Okay. All right. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Now, let me come back to, in the King James, the word righteousness, paths of righteousness, just to bring kind of a big picture Bible scholarly definition. Righteousness means ways of right relationship with God and right relationship with others. How is your vertical relationship? How are your horizontal relationships? Because that's the only thing that's forever in your life. Your clothes, what you drive, where you sleep, none of that's forever. Your relationship with God and your relationship with others, that's forever. Forever, ever, ever? Forever. So, Righteousness is ways of right relationship with God and with others. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Have you ever known what it is to look back on a section of your life and, oh, you know what? God was guiding me in the right way. God is actually more about the how than the what. To anyone that's trying to relate to you through legalism and 12, you know, points of this and 24 points of that and 36 points of this and you got to do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that, that's a wrong perspective. The kingdom of God, Yahweh, Jesus, is from the inside out. The kingdom of God is upside down. The kingdom of God is what's in your heart. So he guides us along right paths, bringing honor to his name. What he's saying is that when people see that my life, whether it be difficult or easy, my life is admirable. It is enviable. There is peace. There is joy. There is goodness. And they look at that from the outside. They need to see that it is God who has led me to a life that is led this way. Now, why is this important? Sheep, if they are left alone, 
are self-destructive even with how they walk. Sheep, like people, are creatures of habit. I'm going to walk this way to here, and then I'm going to turn around and walk that way to there, and then that way to there. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, but here's what happened. They get into a rut. They're, with their walking the same way every day, they, their path gets so deep that then they start to fall and break their legs. They literally create their own hazards. If they're, not, if they're left to their own devices, they will walk and dig ruts. And what happens is then water collects in the ruts, which develops parasites and bugs and diseases. And I've got a whole 20 minutes I could give you on that. But they literally are self-destructive, even just with walking to the water, walking to the grass. Now think about this as well. Not only are they self-destructive in their paths that they turn into ruts, but they are also self-destructive in that they will overeat. Now think about this. If sheep are left to themselves in one area of grass and they are not moved around, they will eat including the roots of the grass and in the next season have nothing but dirt to eat. True story. It takes a shepherd to move a sheep. We're going to eat over here until you get close to the roots. Then we're going to eat over here and then tell you, and then we're going to eat over here and then we're going to eat over here. It takes management. Sheep, come with me. Here we go. And shepherds have described that when sheep follow them into new ground, that they'll even even the oldest ones will kind of skip and jump and dance and be happy because they're coming into fresh grass. And you may not know this, but I've spent enough time outdoors to know this, that on, on the top of evergreen trees and the top of certain types of grass, it's actually very sweet. It's true. Yeah, you, you try stuff. So that's why they're happy. It's like, hey, new stuff. And remember what we talked about last week. They can go for months without drinking water because they'll go and they'll eat all the dew off the grass as they're eating just before sunrise and just after sunrise. They get enough water. They're 70% water. They get enough water that way. But it takes the careful, diligent watchfulness of the shepherd to lead them here, lead them there, lead them here, lead them there onto new ground, new food. Well, who is our God? Who is our good shepherd? Great is his faithfulness and his tender mercies are new every morning. I I want to inspire you a little bit today. Some of us get uh, tired of prayer and the Bible and Christianity because we are going over the same paths over and over and over again. Did you know that your Bible talks about, hey, yes, you're supposed to crave the spiritual milk, the baby food, but also I want you to advance to the stake. That's what it says. Your Bible says that God wants us to grow up, and, and I'm okay with being vegan and vegetarian for you. Not for me, for you. It's fine. It's, I see that there is benefit. I'm, there, no sarcasm. There's, there's benefit. But the analogy in Scripture is that God wants us to graduate from baby's milk to steak. And so here's what I want to say to you. 
If you haven't gone through the purple book, you need to do it. I have yet to meet one of you that knew everything that was in there. We got to start somewhere. You got to go A, B, C, D, E, and then come to me and say, Hey, Pastor, I read Hebrews 10, 11, 12, 13. I understand what your role is in my life. What should I be reading next? Now, I'm not saying that I'm the only one that suggested. I'm kind of making a joke. But listen, if you're bored with God, that's on you. Because if you're following Him, He's always leading us to new ground. Kind of feels like a waltz a little bit. <laughs> he's, right? he's always leading us to new ground. There's something new in Him all the time. The Bible is an inexhaustible resource. You know, I don't need to read other Christian authors. Now, I do, but I'm saying that most of my time should be spent in the B-I-B-L-E. Right. <laughs> okay? Because there's something new every morning. There's more to learn. I read through the whole thing over the course of the year because reading through it a little bit quicker, I get a better idea of the big picture, the themes, the stories, what God's trying to communicate, not as hung up in the small stuff. Are you with me? So what can happen in our life is that we can get in a rut. And when we get in a rut, it's usually because we're not following Him. If I'm loving God with all I've got and I'm following Him every day, there should be a sense of adventure. There should be a sense of, hey, there's something new. There's something exciting. God's got something for me to do. God's got something for me to learn. I can memorize this one and work that. Then I can memorize that one and work that. There's, there's a sense of adventure. There's some, but what, the, what is happening at the same time as you have this sense of adventure and something new, new ground, is that you will be protected from your enemy. Because that's how the Good Shepherd works. And what will happen along the way, unbeknownst to you, is that you will be led in paths that bring honor to His name. And then you'll look back and you'll go, oh wow, my, my life was really good. And this happened, that happened, but I, I'm at more peace. I have more joy. Is this making any sense? But we have to, and a, one of my roles is to occasionally make you a little bit uncomfortable. We've got to be asking ourselves, am I following him? Am I following him? Because if you feel like you have to force the energy to follow God, then there's something wrong. You're spiritually sick. Uh, it's the truth. And so we have to come to a place of why is that and address what that is and then come to him and like David prayed in Psalm 50, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Right? Because our God is a good God. He will lead us in good paths. That's who He is. That's what He does. So, God, will you, our prayer tonight should be, God, will you restore me? I, I just want to 
I've read data, medical and psychological data both, that talk about how whether it's TV, radio, social media, you can't, a book even, you can simulate the positive emotions of relationships with those things. This is, there's empirical data that supports this. Through social media, through reading a book, through watching a movie, uh, Netflix, you know, YouTube, whatever, you can simulate the same emotions you have in a human relationship. And what can happen, and I enjoy all those things. I'm not trying to condemn those things, but I want to bring our eyes open, okay? What can happen is that if I simulate real relationships with this stuff too much, I become isolated and I'm not giving time to real relationships and I won't have energy also for my relationship with God. Because I'm hearing a story, I'm hearing a joke, I'm, he- I'm seeing somebody's woes, something difficult that they're going through. I'm having all the highs, all the lows. There's empirical data on this, folks. I am simulating relationship, and then at the end of the day, I've got no relational battery left in my bank for my spouse or the living God. So if I'm at a place of, I don't, I don't have the energy for this God stuff. Maybe it's time for some hard decisions. Now, I love Netflix, and once upon a time, I was paid to direct live theater. I've done some screenplay writing. I love, I can Netflix your brains out. I love it. I love it, okay? I love podcasts. If I'm washing the dishes, doing the laundry, I am listening to podcasts. I love that stuff. But I have learned to put a rein on it and to watch. And how I know is how much energy I have from my God. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that entertainment is bad. I'm saying it can become a fake, a, a, a fake relationship and draw away your natural energy God's given you for the relationships with the people closest to you and for your relationships with Him. He wants to restore us. He wants to lead us into paths. And, and I see um, over and over in the past decade, I watch people make life-changing re- decisions with no spiritual counsel and spending no time in prayer. And then come to me and say, what happened? So, okay, let's sit down and talk about it. Let's go through everything. How did you make this decision? If I'm making life-changing decisions apart from my shepherd, oh, whoa, And if I don't know the smell, the sound of my shepherd, I can't be led by him. God leads us in a still, small voice, in subtle ways. And then when I come to the scripture and to prayer, I'm, I'm getting to know you, getting to know all about you. 
If the Bible in prayer is lousy, it may be because to you it's about trying to be a better person so that you can feel about yourself instead of being about getting to know the one true living God who created you and loves you. When I turn to the scripture, I want to know more about that person. How does he think? How does he tick? What, what is, how does he operate? I should be seeking to know more about what he thinks than about anybody else. You okay? Some of you are still distracted by my Las Vegas moment there. How do I know... How do I know if I'm a sheep who is following the Good Shepherd? I'm so glad you asked. Here's one way, and one way on the screen here that I think can help us. Am I willing to follow God's lead? Well, that's kind of an equally vague question, PB. Okay, good. So let's talk about what that means a little bit. Am I willing to follow God's lead? Because deep on the inside, what I find is it really comes down to this. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. All of us think we know what's best for us. Some of us have lived a little life, we're like, yeah, no, I really don't. I mean, I thank God that kind of, not literally, but in life, I had my nose broken a few times before I even turned 30. You live a little life and you start to, well, maybe I don't know what's best for me. God knows what's best for me. So I ask myself, am I willing to be led by God? Okay, so if I take a casual surface, what's the plain, simple truth of the Bible about God, I will come away with a couple of ways that I can very, very quickly know if I'm being led by Him. One, am I others-focused? Am I others focused? Okay? See, if, if, if I am self-focused most, then I'm not following the good shepherd because that's not the direction that he walks. That's not, you know, everyone has kind of a different walk. That's not how our God walks. He's not, you know, it's all about me. My amazing. That's not how our God walks. Our God is others focused. If there's anybody in the universe that could be self focused, it'd be Him. Our God is others focused. How do we learn? How do we learn that? Philippians chapter 2, talking about Jesus. Jesus did not consider his place in heaven to be more important than you, but instead, right? Am I others focused? Do I have an attitude of gratitude? Yeah, I went there. How do I know if I'm following the Good Shepherd? If I have an attitude of gratitude. Now let's define real quick what's the opposite of this. The opposite of these two is when I am more focused on my rights. You know, you know what I'm talking about? My rights. <laughs> if I'm more focused on my rights, then I'm not others focused. 
Because I shouldn't choose my freedom over my friends. Or if I'm fault-finding or blame-shifting. In my human relationships, if I'm looking for faults, I'm keeping a file, I'm taking notes, I'm keeping count. Well, that's not being others-focused and having an attitude of gratitude. Are you with me? If I'm always fault-finding, if I'm blame-shifting, that's, that's not how it works. So let's simplify. Those of you that use social media and you follow me, you see this. It's my only hashtag, love gives. There's one really easy way to differentiate between the love of God and the love of sinful man. Lust gets, love gives. Let me run that die one more time. Lust gets, love gives. How do I know what real love smells like, looks like, sounds like, acts like? Love gives. That's how our God loves us. Created the world. Gave us His Son. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us each other. The idea of the church. Love gives. God is not after you to be in church or whatever for what He can get out of you. God could play the guitar better than me. What? That's true. There's nothing in here that God couldn't do better if He wanted to. God's not trying to pull us together for what He can get out of us we got to get wrong thinking out of our heads. Love gives. He loves us. He gives to us. He's always giving to us. He restores us. And when, we, when He leads us in these paths of righteousness, I know that you may have been hurt and you have trust issues. And so He can transfer our trust issues onto God. But I'm here to tell you that when God wants to lead you in these paths, it's for your benefit because love gives. Chris, will you come and lead us in prayer? Jimmy, will you come and play, please?